G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Have you ever been caught off guard and said some things you later regret? Have you ever been offended or offended someone and been surprised at either your reaction or theirs? Well, some conflict can be mild and at the other extreme, it can lead to all sorts of argument, assault, litigation, and ultimately, yes, in the extreme cases, even murder. Well, today, a conversation around a radical rethink on dealing with conflict. And we'll talk about how you can get this initiative into your local church. Well, our special guest today says when we find ourselves at the beginning of conflict, be it at home or at work or even in church life, we often find ourselves on a slippery slope to either trying to escape the conflict or resorting to an attack response. Wayne Forward is the national CEO of PeaceWise. It's an organization that helps Christians, by God's grace, to apply peacemaking principles as a matter of stewardship, realizing that conflict is an opportunity, not an accident. Wayne Forward is joining us. Wayne, welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's great to be here. And Wayne, just before we get into our conversation around conflict, we've just heard the most incredible testimony from Peter Gibbs, and that was delivered at the Sydney Prayer Breakfast this week. You were there. Uh, You experienced it. Yeah, I was. It was a wonderful morning, and uh, on the back of uh, his address, actually, the room stood in a standing ovation for the words that he shared. It was a... It was a tremendous morning. And when you're talking conflict and reconciliation, I mean, it's Reconciliation Week, uh, a focus on those sorts of things. Some listeners might reflect on some of that as we go in our conversation today. And uh, the fact that you were there and you heard Peter deliver that amazing testimony, uh, there could be some accommodation for that. But let's talk about PeaceWise. I've been around for a while now. Just a, a little, in a nutshell, history of PeaceWise, Wayne. Yeah, uh, PeaceWise has been around for, uh, well, nearly 16 years now. It uh, birthed back in 2007, um, uh, amazingly by a group of lawyers, actually. Uh, they uh, had a vision of being able to try to be able to do conflict, which obviously as lawyers they saw a huge amount of, but wanting to be able to do it differently, wanting to allow the, the hope of the gospel uh, to to give an alternative to sort of the the legal litigation type approach, and so in two thousand and seven, around a mango tree, I'm led to believe, up in North Queensland, uh, Peacewise was uh, formed, and kind of in the early days, it, it focused pre- predominantly around the training of adults around how to be able to do conflict informed by the gospel. Uh, in a uniquely different way. Uh, And then back in 2016, the vision was launched that 
as well as teaching adults, what a difference it would be able to be made if we could teach kids how to do conflict well. Wayne. And so in 2016, PeaceWise Kids was formed as well. There are some huge dimensions here, and we certainly don't want to miss the opportunity of what this means for our kids, because if we teach Mm. our kids good ways to be able to manage the conflict that will inevitably come in their lives, we're going to be setting them up forever uh, to be able to handle things in a powerful biblical way. It's getting harder to navigate in the conflicts we find ourselves a part of. Uh, In Mm. fact, you know, people are almost, in some senses, uh, seeking out conflict. Uh, Mm. It shouldn't be a surprise to us as things change, but yeah, things are getting harder, aren't they? They are. They are. I think we're seeing across society now uh, conflict surfacing more and more readily. And there are uh, cultural pressures that are associated, I think, with that. We're seeing things like council culture, which is emerging more and more, uh, and even the, the social media space that allows people to, to, to post and comment with some sort of anonymity, uh, a kind of a depersonalized response, uh, is fueling more and more aggressive type responses. Uh, and it's causing, it's meaning that that conflict is everywhere and on a growing scale. Uh, we've seen that, uh, yeah, we see that globally uh, on the macro scale when we talk of, of war, but even more personally, we see it uh, in our own lives as well. Even driving this morning, heard a media report around uh, air stewards who are dealing with conflict day in and day out over people kind of uh, around face masks and wearing it on flights. And the comment was made, no one wants to go to work and face conflict every single day. Uh, but the reality is that's that's what people are enduring today. Well, we'll get into some principles as we go here. But uh, for listeners, uh, I've been talking about this conversation and the thought of a radical rethink on how you handle conflict. And I must say uh, that Wayne was one of the presenters uh, when PeaceWise did this program, a PeaceWise peacemaking program with the staff here at Vision. And a tremendous, wonderfully insightful program it was. And it does bring you back to a biblical foundation. What do we do as Christians? How do we get a radical rethink around conflict and the way we deal with it? Uh, Wayne, just take us here for a few moments, a biblical foundation. Uh, this is different to way, the way the world deals with conflict. It is. It is different. We have a wonderful privilege uh, to know the gospel of reconciliation, uh, as Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, it's described as a as gospel of reconciliation that restores our relationship with God, but Equally, it is able to restore our relationships with one another as we look to what God has done. And so as we look across Scripture, we can see and build a framework from the gospel on how to deal with conflict. And so, and, and there's some great privileges around that. There is a rich opportunity, essentially, that comes out when we look at it through that framework. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is talking around some of the conflicts that the Corinthians are are facing. Uh, And on the back of uh, talking about the surrendering of rights, he speaks about this idea of in whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Uh, 
And right there, he introduces a profound notion, which is that even in the space of conflict, which we know is hard, it, no one enjoys being in that space, but even in the place of conflict, we have the opportunity to consider how we might glorify God there. In fact, it kind of presents this idea of a unique space to worship. Uh, and even with that in mind, it reshapes. It's not just this obstacle or thing that needs to be navigated through so we can kind of get on with the good bits of life, actually. No, right there in the, in the midst of that hardship, we can have an opportunity to glorify God. I think this is one of those radical points you talk about in the way we think about conflict as Christians because you're saying that when you're in a conflict or at the start of a conflict, the way you see it's important because either you're going to see it as a disaster that's befalling me or you're going to see the opportunity in there. And we tend often not to see the opportunity. This is the way, this is something radical about the way we think about conflict. Absolutely, absolutely. It's being able to see that there's a there's an opportunity. It's not just an opportunity to glorify God as we read on in that passage. There's opportunity to be able to serve the other person, opportunity to to better understand ourselves and grow to be more like Christ as well. There are rich opportunities. But the other, the other opportunity I think that is there, or at least um, reassurance, I guess, that goes with that place as well, is the knowledge that right as we step towards that conflict, as it surfaces in our lives, we can know that Jesus Christ himself prayed for us which I just think is a, is a mind-boggling uh, notion that God uh, in human flesh prayed for our conflicts directly. Uh, and I take all that. That's not me just making that up. In John 17, at the end of that chapter, uh, as Jesus prays for unity, he prays for those who would believe through the disciples' message. In other words, you and I. Uh, I don't think our conflicts come as a surprise to Jesus. He knew that it was going to be one of the, the hardest parts of our journey of following him, and he prayed directly for us. That's a wonderful sense of reassurance to be able to step towards conflict and see it as an opportunity to live out our faith. Interesting, isn't it, uh, that Jesus' prayer for unity in John 17 uh, wasn't a reaction against the conflict, but actually there's something of opportunity even in the thought that Jesus would be praying for unity. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, when he says, you know, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, means that when we find ourselves in the middle of conflict, we can recognize the presence of God in the circumstance we find ourselves in. Definitely, definitely. Hey, let's talk through some of the ways that you might, uh, you know, early in our conversation, talk about how you get a, a bit of a biblical framework uh, for knowing how when we're faced with a new conflict and we say, well, how am I going to handle this one? This one looks too big for me. Is there a simple biblical process we can establish in order to help navigate through it? Yeah, definitely there is. I think as we look through Scripture, um, as we look at the Gospel, uh, our framework does emerge for us. And we've uh, kind of simplified that down as a way of being able to recall it and remind ourselves for it. We, we give it a few different names. We sometimes refer to it as our peacemaking pizza. 
Um, sometimes we refer to it as our four G's, but it's a simple framework uh, which has a kind of a four-step process to it. Uh, the first of those processes is considering the question of glorifying God, of how can I glorify God in the space of this conflict? Uh, the second part of it, uh, going to our second G, is then uh, getting the log out of our own eye, picking up on Jesus' instructions in, in Matthew 7 to look at ourselves and consider what might our contribution be to the conflict. And only once we've considered, kind of looked up towards God and looked in towards ourselves, do we want to be able to then think about, well, what does it look like to be able to actually have the conversation with the other person? And we move to our third G at that point where we talk about the idea of gently restoring, uh, a gently restoring conversation that isn't going to the other person and pointing the finger and saying, you've done this, you've done that, but rather coming in a humbled posture uh, acknowledging your own contribution, maybe in an apology, uh, and then hopefully being able to raise with the other person some of the hurts uh, that will allow a coming back together in relationship before we then able to move to the fourth G, which is go and be reconciled, where you're able to to move forward in forgiveness of one another and also resolving I guess the, the matters that might be before you, sometimes what we refer to as the material issues, the thing that has actually sparked the conflict in the first place. No doubt listeners will see the biblical uh, focus in that foundation, uh, those four Gs, and uh, we might try and mention those a time or two more in our conversation, but glorifying God, getting mm. the log out of your own eye, gently restoring and then go and be reconciled. You said something very important in there to pick up on, Wayne. You've got to have a level of humility. No doubt that's necessary, especially when you recognize that you have some fault in the conflict. Uh, it's pretty rare that we find ourselves in conflict and we're not at any fault at all, but uh, usually recognizing that fault it does take a little level of humility to be able to get a process in place. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, there's a there's an aspect that we need to be able to humble ourselves before God, and I, I think that's part of the role of the Spirit, isn't it, in our lives? That the Spirit uh, convicts, it, it brings to our attention those areas that God is wanting to continue to refine more and more into His likeness. Uh, and as we submit ourselves to that Spirit, uh, we're called to be able to, to obviously apologize to God and, and ask for forgiveness from Him through Jesus Christ. But there's also good uh, reason and opportunity then that surfaces to be able to apologize to those around us as well that we've hurt. Um, but it does take a, a humility, but a humility that's motivated and enabled by grace, which is really important, isn't it? That we don't humble ourselves just yeah, hoping for the best, that we can humble ourselves in the full knowledge of Jesus's forgiveness through the cross. Let's talk about when things happen privately and sometimes small conflicts. You can be in a personal situation and it might just mean just you and another person getting together to resolve things. But sometimes when it's in a family, uh, the family then divides and takes sides. Uh, or if it's in your school community or your 
church community. A conflict mm. develops, and all of a sudden, this is not just a private matter that's dealt with between one or two people. You've all of a sudden got groups involved. Things can escalate mm. out of control. How do yeah. you think about uh, whether you're in private or whether you've got a whole public process to work through with your conflict? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, and it's the sad part about conflict, isn't it, that it can quickly escalate and it moves beyond just a couple of people and people form sides and it can split families and churches and even in schools and organisations. I think that the, the principle that we find in Scripture, particularly if we look at passages like Matthew 18 and the like, is that we always want to be able to start in private. We want to be able to resolve with as little people involved as possible. Um, and so we always want to be able to encourage people as conflicts arise to, to rather than you use the words earlier on, uh, kind of escape from conflict or um, uh, kind of push it under the mat and, and ignore it, but rather to be able to raise it quickly with people uh, and to do that privately. And only once if we've been able to try that and it hasn't quite been working, uh, to then move to be able to get other people involved as well. But the important of all of that, as it does escalate and, and we're, we're getting more people involved, the, the motivation when we go to Matthew 18, which gives us this sort of guidance on, uh, around it, is always around the process of reconciling. It's always motivated of the next step is motivated by the desire to bring about the reconciliation and the restoring of the relationship. It's not simply there around discipline or bringing punishment, but rather around renewing of the relationship. Wayne, when we've got a very public conflict, uh, it's interesting here, isn't it, that we're all watching the people who are involved and we need to be able to see mature Christians resolving their conflict in a biblical way. If you don't see mature people resolving conflict in a biblical way, you haven't got much hope of resolving your conflicts and uh, getting into a pattern of how I deal with the conflicts of my life, have you? No, you don't. And sadly, we haven't seen, there's not always lots of good examples around in Christian communities. It's one of the things that I guess we lament over uh, and one of the things that motivates us as a ministry of wanting to be able to help um, build stories uh, and allow people to live out the gospel relationship that lets people see that the gospel makes a difference in how to reconcile. And I think one of the great joys uh, for me, uh, being involved in PeaceWise uh, is being able to see the difference that it makes in my own life, uh, but also being able to hear the stories from others that they share with me of how putting these principles into practice radically changes their relationships. I had someone not too long ago come and see me on the back of one of the trainings uh, that we'd done in, uh, as part of one of the exercises, had gone home and offered an apology to their wife uh, and uh, reported back to say it is, it's turned the page and started a whole new season uh, in their marriage uh, simply because there was the courage enough to be able to say sorry. The places that we seek help, uh, sometimes we go and seek help from a professional counsellor, 
Mm-hmm. I imagine, I know that one of your goals is to have someone in every single local church who can help those who are within church life, whether it's in their marriage or family conflicts, uh, church splits even, uh, to manage those conflicts that they, they erupt out of, sometimes out of nothing. But you'd like to see someone in the middle of every church equipped and ready to be able to help people resolve conflict. Uh, just uh, take us into the PeaceWise program here for a few moments because I mentioned that there'll be a way that churches can connect with your PeaceWise program and get that actually happening. How do you hope to connect with local churches? Yeah, great question. Yeah, we have a heart. We'd love to be able to see churches really well equipped to be able to navigate the, the everyday conflicts that surface in the life of community. Uh, and so we have a few different training opportunities for churches to be able to grow in their understanding and be equipped in this area. So we have some one-day workshops and yourself uh, and those that there at Vision have participated in uh, two our two days foundation training, our everyday peacemaker training and our heart of peacemaking training. Uh, and they're available. We can, uh, they're available to... Uh, anyone. Uh, we can do them specific at a church, but we also run national training that people from any church can just join in with. And we do those uh, face-to-face in the various states across Australia, but we also do them online. So they're accessible to everybody. Um, and we can also do those at a church itself and a church can approach us and we can come and uh, deliver them in person, uh, targeted into their particular context as well. The other really rich opportunity for churches to get involved is to pick up our resource, which is called Resolving Everyday Conflict, which is a eight-week study series that uh, is a small group uh, kind of design. There's DVDs and workbooks and so on that allows people to work through a whole range of our foundational uh, framework and our basic tools to help equip people to navigate conflict in a godly way. Wayne Forward, I mentioned there in framing our conversation the thought of a slippery slope, and this takes us to the beginning of the conflicts that we find ourselves in. How do you describe the slippery slope we find ourselves on when conflict strikes? Yeah, slippery slope is a tool that we use to help people think through I guess their response to conflict, if you imagine for a moment a half circle uh, that is shaped into three wedges, if we have a look at that center wedge uh, of that half circle, we'd refer to them as our peacemaking responses. But so often when conflict surfaces, we can slip down either side of the, the circle uh, if we've slipped down to the left side wedge, we refer to them as as escape responses or peace-faking responses. They're the sort of responses that are often characterized by things like denial and fleeing from the, the situation. Uh, but we don't always just go that way. The other alternative is to slide down the right-hand side of the half circle towards what we refer to as as our attack responses or our peace-breaking responses. Things like assault and litigation, and you said earlier on, even in its most extreme form of murder, which sadly, when we think of uh, particularly around domestic violence, uh, unfortunately and so deeply sadly, we see even in our culture and world today so much. 
So, Wayne, thinking about our most immediate responses, and I know listeners can put themselves into uh, one of those categories, perhaps. You've got the extremes. You said, uh, you know, there's the left-hand side and the right-hand side. And the left-hand side, if you're the sort of person who likes to flee from conflict, uh, avoid it at all costs. You know, the way you deal with conflict, I just get out of the way and let it all sort of happen. Uh, That's just one response. The other response, as you describe it, an attack response, uh, going on the attack and uh, getting into, you know, being a litigious person. I'm going to take you to court or, uh, Mm. you know, uh, from now on, you know, we're ultimate enemies forever. But somewhere in the middle of all of that, you're going to have to work on how you deal with conflict. You're either going to be a, a person who flees from it or one who fights in it. But in the middle there, that's where this biblical response comes in. How do you describe that right in the middle? Yeah, right in the middle of it, we refer to it as our our peacemaking responses. Uh, And the peacemaking responses are responses which, rather than seeing the conflict just hidden away, it's still smouldering, but no one ever talks about it, or seeing it escalate and just end up with broken relationships. Our peacemaking responses wants to acknowledge the issues, uh, operate from a groundwork of of apologies and forgiveness uh, that allows for people to come back together in reconciled relationships. And so we talk about all the way through, I guess, on one side of of this uh, peacemaking responses of things like just overlooking of willing to recognize that yes a wrong happened but actually i can forgive that i can hand that back to god and move forward in the relationship uh it might be that we need to go and talk and have that that difficult conversation but one that raises the issues uh in a way that will actually mean that our relationship will grow as a result so often when we navigate the hard conversations with people when we when we have those tough conversations on the other side of them our relationship actually deepens Uh, and so we want to be able to encourage those hard conversations done in lovingly gracious humble ways and of course uh, sometimes we can't just do that privately we can't just do those conversations by ourselves occasionally we are going to need help and so Sometimes we need things like conflict coaching or mediation uh, uh, to be able to assist us in that conversation as well. Just to get this into a family context, and we said earlier on, of course, uh, domestic and family violence, uh, it's a pretty, pretty significant challenge that our entire society is dealing with right now and it seems to be getting worse sometimes in domestic and family violence we'll talk about a cycle of violence breaking a cycle and there's all sorts of things we could get into but uh, we won't today except to say that the way we're dealing with conflict within our family or within our church as we said there are people watching us and if you don't break the cycle you've just got an endless cycle of more violence and breakdown so these sorts of principles they go a long way to helping to change these things for generations definitely definitely i mean it's important to acknowledge as well that when we're talking around domestic violence and particularly if people are are in the in risk of harm 
uh, it's important that they're able to get that help straight away. We don't want to encouraging people to, uh, if they're in real risk of trying to deal with that just themselves, we want to bring light to where there is darkness in this. And so particularly in those spaces, it's important that we're able to bring in that help quickly uh, to make sure that people are safe as well. Uh, those people who say, I just want to avoid everything, uh, you know, um, uh, the escape responses, uh, there's a certain sense here in which if you always take that sort of, uh, if you always take that sort of view, you're going to be overtaken every time. If, if you're trying to build a family, if you're trying to build a church, you've, you can't be the person who avoids conflict. You've got to be able to resolve things. If you don't resolve things, you'll always just remain small and inadequate, won't you? Yeah, I mean, I think when we constantly try to escape from conflict, uh, what it means is that it just festers in the background. Um, and every now and then, it'll suddenly it suddenly rears its head and it, it often comes out of a really small little issue and you're thinking, where on earth did that response come from? This seems to be such a small thing, but that's often characteristics when conflict, when tensions, when hurts have been simmering for, for long periods of time and people have been taking that posture towards uh, either denying that it's there um, or... Uh, simply leaving and and as you leave you leave the conflict behind but it's never resolved Uh, and so it tends to just resurface and it destroys communities uh, rather than having the hard conversation i wonder if we can just revisit for a moment here wayne the the four g's because when you find this conflict is starting to overtake you and uh, there are challenging situations and it doesn't look like anybody wants to be humble on any side, come back to those four Gs and how they might apply when you're in the middle of uh, the beginning of a, you know, what could be a significant conflict. Definitely. So taking this slippery slope and the four Gs, the way that we typically would use that is that we begin by asking people the question, well, right at the moment, if you were to pause, uh, what does it look like to glorify God right here? Just thinking around your responses more broadly and and for yourself, what is it going to look like to glorify God? But then as we move to the second G, to then think around, well, what's your own contribution? How do you get your log out of your own eye in that? Taking people to the slippery slope, we ask people the question, If you were to have a look at it, how would you characterize your responses towards this conflict to date? And often as people sit with our slippery slope and look in more detail than obviously what we've just been able to go into online here, but look at some of the particular words that we use like denial and flight on the escape responses or assault and litigation on the attack responses. Often people are able to identify times in the life of that conflict where they might have bounced between both of those two responses uh, around particular incidents that have arisen when particular words have been spoken. And as people recognize their their responses as, as the escape responses or attack responses, we invite people to consider whether or not that's actually their responses that 
actually need to be apologised for, to be able to recognise that they aren't necessarily responses that are glorifying God, that they're not necessarily responses that are genuinely seeking to love the other person well. Uh, and for that, there there may well be a place to be able to go back and say, say sorry for those things, uh, as it, which is a humbling exercise, but it's done in the knowledge of Jesus' grace uh, and his strengthening and empowering us to come back to relationship again. Wayne, good to be able to reflect on our relationship with God here. Sometimes we're looking for all sorts of analogies that will help us talk about God. But to talk about God first here actually helps us in the process reconciling to one another. So being being reconciled to God first and then how that principle in itself actually then overflows into reconciliation with one another because, you know, we're described as being at enmity with God, uh, an enemy of God, and how he, in fact, invites us to reconcile uh, issues around forgiveness and those sorts of powerful concepts that we can talk about in a Christian sense here and how they might actually relate to all of the conflicts of our lives. How do you describe uh, what happens being reconciled to God and then being reconciled to one another? Yeah, uh, there's a great verse. Uh, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and it's verse uh, 19, uh, which talks about that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Uh, he does that, obviously, through Jesus' death, uh, on the cross for our sins. And it goes on in verse 19 to talk about that Jesus, that through Jesus, God does no longer count people's sins against them. And rather, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That what makes it possible for our sins not to be counted against us is because of Jesus' death on the cross, where he bore those for ourselves. It wasn't something we deserved. It wasn't something that we, uh, yeah, we deserved or could earn in any way. But Jesus, in his grace and mercy, offered that. He demonstrated, as it says in Romans, his love for us in this, that Christ died while we were still sinners. And it's recognizing God's act of love and the fullness of his forgiveness of us which allows us to then step in a similar way and reflect that same posture towards those that maybe have hurt us. You even have a pledge that people can take on the other side of conflict. Now, it's never easy. It's not comfortable going through a reconciliation process. And on the other side, you've got to maintain that. How do you expect that, you know, there's a pledge? Is there a way that you can simply, uh, you know, get some sort of principles that you can apply that will help you uh, to maintain that reconciliation? Yeah, I think uh, we have a pledge. We refer to it as the Peacemaker's Pledge, uh, which is a commitment, I guess, that we encourage people to take on to themselves, which is a an outworking of the knowledge of their resurre- of their reconciliation with God. Uh, in Matthew five nine, he talks about the the privilege that it is for his children to be to live as peacemakers. In Matthew five nine, we read that wonderful verse: "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called 
children of God. Uh, it points to the idea that when we are following Jesus, when we uh, take on that that identity of his children, we are called to live as peacemakers, knowing that, that he equips us through his spirit to be able to do just that. Wayne, if you're looking to get a, a plan and a, a program of uh, working these sorts of things through in your local church, where's the best place to start? Because I mentioned earlier, you've got peace-wise kids, you've got peace-wise youth, uh, you do one-day seminar programs, uh, there'll be online opportunities for people who are in isolated areas to be able to take advantage. What's the best introduction for people who recognize that, wow, we've got to do something about the conflict in our church or in our family, got to do something about how to make a difference. Where's the best place to start, Wayne? Yeah, the best place to start, I would say, is to jump onto our website. Uh, You mentioned it earlier on, uh, peacewise.org.au. Our website has a a heap of information on it. Um, And on there, you'll find a whole bunch of our resources uh, and and different ways that you can get help around conflict. Uh, You'll find uh, details of our training on there, uh, but you'll also find uh, the resources for small groups and so on. But you'll also find a few other uh, aspects. There are a number of different articles. We also offer uh, two free conflict coaching sessions for people. Uh, And you might find yourself, uh, maybe you're listening today and uh, finding yourself in a conflict and thinking, I'm just not sure what is the next next best step that I could take. I'd encourage you, have a look at our website and you can sign up for two of our free conflict coaching sessions, which we'll be able to meet with you, listen to, to what's going on, offer some questions for you to reflect on, to think around how the gospel might be able to help you discern the best way forward. Uh, There's also opportunities to be signed up to our hubs, which are our monthly gatherings, where people from right around Australia join together to be encouraged in living out this peacemaking pledge that we were just talking about in their own relationships, whether it be at home or in their community amongst their neighbours. Well, anyone who has listened to our entire conversation, uh, we've only just scratched the surface here, but I think you'll be inspired. And I suggest uh, for listeners, uh, write down peacewise.org.au and for an organisation that was started by lawyers, you know, it's got a, a plan there in place that's going to try and keep you out of court ultimately when you're trying to find some peace in the conflict that you're in. But these principles... They're applying into marriages and into families. I wonder if we can just top off our conversation. Time's running out, Wayne. But one of the very powerful things that you like to include in your presentation and having gone through all the four Gs and understanding where we might all react on a slippery slope, one of the powerful things that you deliver is how to apologize when you are in the wrong, when you've taken that place of humility. Uh, Wayne, is there a hint or two for listeners today? They're in the middle of conflict and they want to come out of that, but they realise that they've got to make an apology. How do you apologise? Give us some insights here. Yeah, we do. We spend a a bit of time thinking around apologies. Good apologies go a huge difference, uh, go a huge way 
in helping to restore relationships. And we want to be able to do them well because bad apologies can actually take us in the very opposite direction. Bad apologies can often make things uh, worse. But good apologies change things. And we talk about uh, the seven A's of an apology. Uh, Time probably doesn't allow to go through all of our seven A's, but uh, to to offer one, which is a, a really important one, which is avoid the ifs, the buts, and the maybes. So often in our apologies, we want to give uh, reasons and explanations. We want to kind of self-justify in some sense uh, that while we know what we did was wrong, it happened for a reason. Uh, and whilst we do, it's good to be able to offer context. We need to own that what we did was wrong. Uh, and avoiding the ifs, the buts, and the maybe is nearly one of the most significant ways that we can ensure that our apologies will be heard well and be accepted as, as meaningful, Recognized, recognizing that we have done the wrong to the other person. And an encouragement for listeners, yes, this conversation will be on a podcast early this afternoon. You might want to listen in again. There's been so much that's been included included in this conversation and so much more to talk about when it comes to meeting the challenges of the conflicts of our lives. Wayne Forward is the national CEO of PeaceWise. It's an organisation that helps Christians, by God's grace, to apply peacemaking principles as a matter of stewardship and realising that conflict is an opportunity and not an accident. The website for PeaceWise is peacewise.org.au. And uh, as I say, started by lawyers and uh, listeners might even over the past decade remember when we spoke to uh, one of the founders of PeaceWise in Australia, Ellen Ford, a barrister. But peacewise.org.au to connect with Wayne Forward. And if you're thinking, wow, this is what our kids need to know, this is what our youth need to know, incorporating these things into our local church, there's PeaceWise Kids, there's PeaceWise Youth, there's resources for small groups. Peacewise.org.au. Wayne Forward, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.